doing good, 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 good. Uh, just been um, happy in some things that God has been doing with us in thought. In thought, in thought, in thought. Started thinking about some things uh, concerning this diligence we've been talking about for some time now. And uh, we went into the submission part of it. And to be submissive to God is to allow God your will uh, to join with the will of God and, you know, and allow God's will to be your will. People think that's impossible. It's not. It's not impossible in the spirit. God can do that in the spirit. What are we talking about when we say that we want to give all of our will over to God? Isn't that the, the part of us in our heart that decides what we want to do? You know, whether it's something here in this world or something in the spirit, it's um, we, we have the ability to yield our will to things. How many of you have ever yielded your will to something that wasn't good? Well, we've all done that, huh? And, uh, but what about yielding your will to something that is of the spirit of God? And that's what submission is all about. People don't understand submission. They always think submission means that you have to put yourself under the thumb of somebody. That, that's not what God means when he talks about submission. God's submission is based on love. In other words, you do what you're going to do toward God because you love him. Not because you're being forced in some way or there's some law or some rule or whatever. Uh, religion has done a job on us because that's how they do the do's and the don'ts. I, I would much rather have God guide me in those things and tell me what I should do and what I should not do. I'm talking about by the Spirit. Uh, how do you think we received all of these things? It's, it's such um, an amazing thing if somebody can love God to the point that they yield their life to him. We, we say we do that, but here's the thing that's important. Where's the manifestation of yielding our life to God? What things can we look at in, in how you speak and how you do? I'm talking about even here, that you've yielded yourself to God. Um, it's an amazing thing for people to do that. Um, I was thinking about what Brother Lopez was talking about for Moses. Something came to my mind, talking about this submission. If you're going to be in submission, number one, you have to humble yourself, right? What did they say about Moses? What, what type of man was he? Meek. They said he was the meekest man on the face of the earth. That's something, huh? But could he get angry too? Or when they had the party down there and made the golden calf, was he angry enough to break the tablets? Threw him down, got so angry at the people. He went and took the calf grounded into dust and made them drink it, put it in water and made them drink it. Sometimes people forget that part of it. He was angry. I mean, it was a righteous anger. And he jumped on Aaron and he said, why, why'd you do, you're the priest, you're my brother, but you're the priest. And they went, well, the people gave me this and I threw all the gold in the pot and out came this calf. He actually said that. He said, out came this calf. No, no, no. You fashioned that calf, Aaron. That's powerful, huh? The priest of God, the brother of Moses. And out popped this calf. No, that's not how it happened. You fashioned it. Remember, uh, you know, that's what the idols are all about. Four-footed beasts and things that you see in the earth and all that stuff, creeping things, whatever. Man started making things after those things and started calling it God. 
That, that shows you where a man's heart can go. But if you're going to be submissive to God, you have to be humble. There has to be a humbleness of spirit. What we call humbleness uh, here is on an outward thing. We, we know a person that from the outside, they look very, very humble from the way they speak, the way they dress and everything, and they talk in a very soft voice. And they, and they shake your hand and tell you how, you know, how much they love you and all of these things. And we know things about this person. We, we know things about them intimately and um, not good. But from the outside, somebody would say, hey, he's such a humble man. You better allow God to start giving you discernment about things so that you don't look out the outward appearance, but let God reveal the heart to you. That's, that's something that's very important. So even Moses being the meekest man on the face of the earth, um, God did some things for him. I'm still talking about the submission right now. And then we're going to go into, if you submit to God, if you submit your whole heart, soul, mind, strength, everything you have to God, isn't that the first commandment? To love him that way to, and submit everything to him. There is nothing you have that you don't submit to him. You submit everything. But people submit parts of themselves. I'm going to say that. They submit parts of themselves. I'll do this, Lord. I'll do this and I'll do this. But when it comes to this here, I, I'm not sure, you know, whether I could submit all of that to you or not. People have thoughts like that. I, let me tell you this. I've had thoughts like that. I think about thoughts I've had in the past where I could yield all these things. And, and, and God's not going to judge me for this other thing that I didn't yield. It wasn't so bad. Who judged that it wasn't so bad? Who judged that it wasn't so bad? You did. You know those little things? Sometimes they turn out to be what? Big things because they've never been dealt with. The little horn that the scripture talks about. What does that little horn do? It's diminutive. It's small. So we don't pay much attention to it. So that's what makes it so subtle and deceitful when it starts bringing thought to you and it overtakes you because then it grows in progression. That's how sin goes. It grows in progression. You start thinking about it more. The man that had the legion in him, you think he started off with a couple thousand devils or do you think every day or something that happened with him, another one was added? Another one was until he got to the point he had a couple thousand in him. That's what they said a legion was, right? And God asked him. Jesus said, what's your name? He said, my name is Legion, for we are many. Kind of like a little brag there. You know, we're, there's many of us. Yeah, uh-huh. But God had to tell that thing, be quiet, because there's some things that we're going to say. Did you come to judge us before our time? Be quiet. I have some things I have to say and do, and there's something I'm going to do now. And then they realize, and they say, well, please don't, don't cast us out just to be out. Did you ever realize that unclean spirits need something to be in? They don't like the idea of being cast out and wandering spirits. Disembodied spirits is what I call them. I think that's what Rick called them, I think. Disembodied spirits. And they, want, they hate that. They want to be in something and be active. So that's what unclean spirits do. But what did Jesus say to it? Out. They begged him. Hey, let's go to the swine. Let's go in something. They do not like to wander without being in something. That should tell you something. Are they constantly trying to get in you? Of course. An unclean spirit is a disembodied spirit until it gets a home. Then it has a home in you. You don't want that. 
So this is very powerful. You know, so he cast them out and they went to the swine. But even then, what happened to the swine? Ran off a cliff, drowned in the, choked, it said, in the sea there, didn't it? It's a very powerful thing to understand what spirits we're dealing with and how to deal with them. You're not going to fight a spirit in your flesh. I'm just telling you right now, you're not going to do it. You're going to need the spirit of God to help you overcome that spirit because that's what they are. They're spirits. And you're not going to fight them in the flesh and get some type of victory. You're not going to fight them in your thought. You think you will, but you won't. And, and the manifestation comes to where you find out that you say, man, I've been thinking about this and I haven't yielded my thought to that thing. But then, wait a minute, I, what fruit do I have? You've been battling so long trying to do it through the flesh that there's no fruit of God in you. There's nothing you can show in manifestation. Why not let God take care of it totally? Why not allow that thing to come forth, work with God the way God says to work with it, put that thing down, overcome it, regenerate it, and then not have to deal with it anymore? That would be a lot better instead of struggling and battling all the time. Because some of us do. I'm just going to say that openly. Some of us here battle and struggle with, with the thoughts that we have thinking that in the battle and the struggle, we're going to overcome that way. Let me tell you, that's not how it's going to work. God is the one that fights the battle through grace and through his spirit. But what happens is when we take it on in flesh, then all we do is battle. That's all we do. We just battle. We never get anywhere. Remember, it says our weapons of our warfare are not supposed to be carnal, are they? But mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds. So when you do it without God, you never go anywhere. I'm reminded of something about the submission in Moses. When he was taking care of the children of Israel and they were out in the wandering in the, the desert in the land of Canaan, and they started complaining. You know, that was their nature. That, please don't be a complainer and a murmur because that's the nature of Israel, and you don't want to be Israel. You don't want to be the unbeliever. You don't want to be the liar. You don't want to be the one that worships other gods because they, they did all of it. You know, so the thing is, it, it, they needed water and they started complaining. Moses talked to God about it. He told him, go strike a rock. Remember that? And water came out of the rock, right? So we know that rock that followed them in the desert was who? It's Jesus. It's, it's a type and shadow of Jesus being a provider. Okay, so when they needed the water, it, it was provided. Okay, he struck the rock like the Lord told them to do, and the water came forth, and they can be refreshed with that, right? When they needed, you know, food, manna from heaven, and when they asked where the meat was, well, God brought the meat, the quail from the sea. I want to keep saying this to you guys. Quail do not live in the sea. But that's what the Scripture says, it came from the sea. That should make your mind start thinking about what fowls are and what they do. And then you'll see why it came from the sea. Well, isn't it the sea that has all those serpents and all those things in it and whatever? I want you to stop and think. God raised up what they thought and what their thought was like and brought it to them to eat in the form of a quail, of a fowl. Hmm. Think about that. And, that, and he made them eat it till they were stuffed to the point where it came out their nostrils. Wow. Because of their complaint, because of their unbelief. Well, anyway, Moses strikes the rock. They get the water and so forth. There comes another time toward the end of the, the journey there. Moses has been leading them for quite a long time, and they're complaining about water again. They don't have any water. 
And God tells Moses to do what? What does he tell him to do? Speak to the rock. Now, there's something important in all of this, guys. If the rock is Jesus, he was already smitten for us once, right? Died on the cross and so forth. You don't want to crucify him again. That's what you would do if you followed your own thought, which is what Moses did. He was not submissive at this time. He was not. He allowed the people to make him angry, vex, right? And he spoke some things he ill-advisedly, he should not have spoken. The, what he spoke is what caused him most of the problem. But anyway, this time because of the anger that, that was in him and the vexation of spirit, he was not submissive. He was not humble at this time to do what God wanted him to do. And, and he got so angry that he struck the rock. Well, you don't want to smite Jesus again. He's already been smitten for. He's already been crucified once. It already talks about what happens when we crucify him afresh, huh? That's not a good thing. So that's, that, that's what that all typified because the rock was Jesus. So what happened was is that he smites the rock and then he makes this statement. Shall we fetch water for you, ye rebels? Who was providing the water? Did Moses have anything to do with providing the water? He followed the direction of God. Well, almost because he smote it again, didn't he? But he had received a judgment for that. You know, even though the water did come forth and whatever, but he received a judgment for that. But when you start seeing that you're the provider, shall we fetch water for you, you rebels? You didn't fetch nothing. God is the one that's doing the miracle here. And so, but he did do it. And um, so God told him, well, you're not going to go into the promised land with the people you've been leading all this time. You won't make it in, Moses. You're not going to make it in. Wow. That's what happens when we're not submissive to God in all things. Well, I was angry. Have you ever heard somebody say, I did something, you know, well, I was angry. That's why I did it. We were watching a, um, a thing on TV about, I can't remember the girl's name here and there. It's one that killed her boyfriend. Uh, can't remember her name. Anyway, the, he comes over to her place. She's already got it set up what she's going to do. She is so angry at him because he's leaving her, going to go. But she comes over and, and she stabs him 27 times, I think nearly decapitates him, shoots him with a gun. She wanted to make sure. He was she said, I did it. Why did you do it? I was angry. <laughs> yeah, I think that's maybe wrathful. <laughs> a little bit beyond angry, you know what I mean? But she does that. She's very famous. She's in prison now, you know, a little small petite girl. Doesn't show, it's not the outward thing, man. It doesn't make a difference if you're petite. If you got something going and you want to make a way, you're going to do it. You're going to accomplish it. And she did. She's in prison for the rest of her life now for that. Why'd you do that? I got angry. He was going to leave me. I got angry. We get angry and justify things. Now, let me switch it over to the spirit. Can we, at times, because we didn't get what we wanted, did we, were we upset with God a little bit? Has anyone ever been? Why, why did you do that? Have you ever questions like that before? Why didn't you do this, God? Why didn't you do that? I had a guy talk to me one time. I said, why isn't he, doesn't God stop all the suffering in the world and all this stuff? And I said, well, first you got to put it in the place where the blame, you know, it needs to be. It's not God doing all of this. That's man. It's man that's causing all of these things. So put the blame where it belongs. It's not God. And uh, so what we have to do, we have to understand how God works. If we love God, if we are submissive to God, well, part of the submission is you're submitting because you love him. 
The song said, our father is kind. Isn't that an aspect of love? Kindness. So mercy, is that an aspect of it too? All of those things. God has mercy on us all the time. If he didn't have mercy on me, I wouldn't be here right now because I've done enough to be committed to a place where I can never get out of it. But because of the love of God, because of his mercy, and because of the blood of Christ, and because of what God came to do for me, I can personally say he saved me. He did something for me that nothing and no other thing could do except God. The Spirit of God is the thing that did this for me, not self, not man. It was the Spirit of God that did this. And I realize that. I appreciate it highly. I thank God for it. I love him. And I've dedicated my life to God. It's, I had other things I did in this world, but my life has been dedicated to God. It will always be. And, and that's the way it's going to be. I want God to be my father. Dan talked about that this morning. I want him to be my father. I want to be the son of God in spirit that God looks for to manifest himself in the world, manifest himself in my world and in your world and in your world. That's how he has to do it, huh? He has to manifest himself there, and then you have to be obedient to it. Another part of submission is obedience. So it's going to take humbleness of spirit. It's going to take obedience. If you say you're going to be submitted to God, submit yourself in a submission, then you want to do whatever the will of the Father is. Isn't that what the Son did? He said, Father, I come to do thy will. He says, so I, he observed to do what? Always do what the Father says. Always go where the Father tells him to go. Always speak what the Father tells him to speak. He was the example of complete obedience. But did he submit himself? He submitted himself. That's the thing. We need to do the same thing. And people say, well, wasn't that hard for Jesus to submit? Wait, 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 wait. Stop for a minute. He's coming to die on a cross for you. Let's see how good you do. You see what I mean? There's things he had to endure. He was tempted in all points like as we are and yet without sin. Didn't it say that? Every time we think that Jesus didn't go through something we went through, you're wrong. Wrong thought right off the bat. He's already been tempted with it, been through it, understands it, experienced it, everything. What do you think all that was about in the desert out there and being tempted by the adversary? What people forget is that for 40 days and 40 nights, he went through that before he ever met him. Then he went through the things that Satan did personally in his flesh. You catch what that is? Go back and read it. He was tempted all during that 40 days. All those things, tons of stuff coming to him. And he, and he didn't allow himself to yield to any of it. In fact, through all of that and through facing Satan in the wilderness, he had dominion over his flesh. No sin in it. He had dominion over it. And that's what he wants for us. He wants us to have dominion. So the only way we're going to get dominion, now this is cool, to have the power of dominion, you have to humble yourself and submit to God. Then you get the power to have the dominion over those spirits. Isn't that powerful? So what does it take first? It takes a humbling and a bowing down. That's what it takes first. It takes an obedience in the mind to say, Lord, I'm going to do whatever you say. No matter how hard it is, I'm going to do it. That's, that's a cool thing, huh? I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to accomplish it. I'm going to try my best. Do it with all your might, the scripture says. That's what we want to try and do. And if you happen to fall, if you happen to fall short, he said he's going to bring even that to you to the point where you can overcome it. He'll, he'll bring it to the point, show, okay, failure is part of success if you don't give up. I'm talking about in him. Don't give up. You may have failed in this thing here, but don't give up. 
because then I'll help you to be an overcomer. You can do it again, go through it again, and you can overcome. That's what I love about God. That's what I love about him. It's a thing that he says he'll do. He loves us so much. So Moses striking that thing and whatever. God tells him, you're not going to go into promise land, but he tells him something else. Because you did not sanctify me before the people. Isn't that what he tells him? You didn't sanctify me. You went into your flesh and did what you wanted to do. And what you did, you let the people see you not sanctifying me. Ooh, after seeing you do it so many times before. That's a powerful thing. So people say, well, that judgment was pretty harsh that God gave him after he let him all that. No, this is something Moses did that he hadn't done like that before. So he did not sanctify the Lord. So what is it that we need to do to sanctify him? Do all of our thoughts need to be under his subjection, under his dominion? When you start bringing things outside and from underneath the body of Christ and going outward and doing your own thing, then you're not in the body anymore. You separated yourself. And you started doing things in the flesh that God said, do not do. And then say you're going to come back into the body? No, it doesn't work that way. There is no schism in the body. So you can't bring sin back in. You can't do what you did and come back in without a repentance taking place. So all of this is what God is trying to show us. Submission, humbleness of spirit, sanctifying him and loving him with a whole heart. Isn't that cool? So if you're going to submit, well, part of submission is something else, too, that I'm going to talk about this morning. It's a commitment. If you say that you're going to submit to God, then you're going to commit yourself to everything God wants you to do. Isn't that true? We're going to commit. We commit ourselves to a lot of things here, don't we? People work on a job 40, 50 years. We committed ourselves to it. Didn't we do that? Some people do it with church. Hey, I've been faithful for 40 or 50 years. That's great. You know, you commit yourself to things. But you have to commit yourself in righteousness if you're going to do this. The committing, if you're going to be in submission to God through the humbleness of the Spirit, through obedience, through the love of God, the commitment has to be according to the will of God. The commitment has to be according to how God leads. He's going to commit you to some things that are of him, not of self, of him. Certain things he's going to want you to do. And so, uh, number one, he said, if you love me, you'll keep my what? What's the first commandment? He wants you to do that if you're going to be committed to him, huh? Because then you're giving him everything, whole heart, soul, mind, strength, all of that. That's given to him. You made a commitment. Isn't that what you did? Very powerful. I want to read something to you. I think it's the 16th uh, chapter of Proverbs. Um, there's so much in that 16th chapter of Proverbs. If you ever read it, so many things. Uh, let's see if I can find this now. There's, um, I want to read this. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Does that make sense to you? If you do what? When man's ways please the Lord. Would that take a commitment? Would that take submission? He'll even make your enemies be at peace with you. The only way to have peace with an enemy is that God regenerates it and changes it. And then you have peace because the enemy's not going to give up on what he wants to do. But what if you can regenerate him or change him in some way? Can you do it through flesh or can it be done through the spirit of God? Remember, Jesus talked about him in the days of his regeneration. I think it's in the book of Titus. 
He can regenerate these things. God is the father of all spirits. So as spirits work, can he regenerate them to be something else than what they were? Of course he can. He's the father of all spirits. So it's very powerful. Here's what I wanted to read. It's 16 and 3 of Proverbs. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Just learned a big secret, huh? Commit thy works unto the Lord. You want to get your thoughts established? You want them built on a good foundation? You want to know the chief cornerstone? You want to know all those things? What do you have to do? Commit your what? Your works unto the Lord. The work that he's talking about here is not you performing works in the flesh in order to please God and gain and go progressive in something. That's not what he's talking about. The works he's talking about here now, can you allow your thought to be changed? Can you allow your heart to be changed and let God put righteousness in it? Can he write the words of God in your heart? Commit thy works unto the Lord. The things that you need to do toward God. Can you yield yourself? Can you yield your spirit? Can you yield your will? Can you think that? Can you change the thought? Can you repent? Can you forgive? Starting with yourself. But can you forgive? Sometimes we're so much unforgiveness in us, but can you forgive? Can you allow God to work on your pride or your lust or whatever it is that's in you? Can you confess it when you need to? See, all these things, those are the things, the work you're going to have to do. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and guess what God's going to do? He will establish your thought because all of this is wrapped up in thought. The spirit of it, everything, is all wrapped up in thought. Thoughts and words are spirit. So that's why he ends it the way he does. He'll establish your thoughts because that's where the thing is, man. It's how you think. That's what Jesus was after. That's what John the Baptist was after. All those, you read about, that's what Paul was after, all the apostles. They were after how you think. And they preach repentance, which is a change of thought. So it's how you think. That's what God's after. As a man thinketh in his heart. Uh Uh-huh. We think this one beating here, or do you think he's talking about the center of your mind, your will, where your thoughts take front place? That's the heart. Why does he typify it to a heart? Because out of the heart come the issues of life. So that's where it comes from, your thought, does it not? Very powerful. All the issues of life, the great issues of life, all determined by thought. Which way are you going to go? What are you going to do? Who are you going to obey? Which way are you going to walk? What are you going to speak? It's all thought. That's what God wants to do. So commit thy works unto the Lord. And he will establish your thoughts. That's a great key to something. This little secret we just gave. You commit yourself, your works unto the Lord, and he is going to establish your thoughts. You won't even realize how much he's going to change your thought until you commit yourself to him. And then you'll start seeing that God is changing thought. God, I never thought I could ever get over that or ever do this or whatever like that. Yeah, I'm just going to show you. I can do that. I can help you do that. I can be with you in that trial, in that thing, and help you to overcome. You continue to love me, obey me, trust me, what can I do? Can you submit to me? Can you humble yourself? When you do that, then I will do this. God says that all the time. You do this, I'll do this. (laughs) That's cool, huh? 
You, you do what God says, commit thy works unto the Lord. Hmm. And he will establish your thought. That's a good thing, huh? I know that's what I'm working on. I want God to establish my thought. All thoughts. I want everything to be of God. Let the thought be of God. I have too many other thoughts that want to think of other things. I don't want that. They'll take care of themselves. I want to establish my thoughts in God. That's a good thing, huh? There's a scripture about this commitment too. I think it's, where's it at? Um, is it in Luke? I'm trying to remember where it's at. Yeah, Luke 16. Listen to this. I'm going to start kind of like in the middle of it. Verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. So is that being submissive to? Is that making a commitment? If you're faithful in the least, we'll also be faithful in much, right? If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, wait a minute. Anybody know what that mammon means? Anybody? Remember when he says, it, literally it means money or riches. But really it's talking about what you call the richness of what you think you have in thought. You're rich. Remember the scripture says it's store your treasure up in heaven where moth and rust are not corrupt. So what is God talking about? Is he talking about literal treasure from this earth? Or is he talking about the treasure of the understanding of God that you store in heaven? This is still talking about thought. Mammon is riches and wealth of thought. Rich young ruler had it. Riches in, in thought. Hey, go sell all you have and give it to the poor. Come and follow me. You see what I mean? We don't want to give up those riches. We don't want to give up those, what we think we know, what we think we understand. We haven't put it past God yet. We haven't asked God to show us whether we're right or not. We just think we have great riches because of our intellect or because of what we can think or how we can put one scripture with another scripture or how we can do this and do that. Have we asked God whether it's right? That's the key. What do you think the greatest battle is? The greatest battle is through the spirit of thought going one way in an understanding of man through the flesh and then God wanting you to take that same thought, deliver it unto him, and allow him to take it to understanding and wisdom. That's what God wants. Doesn't it typify wisdom to silver? Understanding to gold? Yeah, now we're talking about treasure. Now we're talking about treasure, which is why he said, put it in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt. Moth and rust only corrupts when it's in the earth, when it's in the, the flesh of man. That's where moth and rust doth corrupt. Things rust up. Things get moldy. Things get bad. That's in the earthly side. But what about the spiritual side? Oh, no, it's silver and gold. Doesn't it say that? Wow. Every man's work is going to be tried by what? Ah, so if it's wood, hay, and stubble, burned up. But what if it's gold and silver and precious jewels? Purifies it, makes it even better, makes it more of a treasure. Isn't that true? So yeah, the scripture says we can't serve God and mammon. We can't serve God and still keep our own thought, what we think it is or what we say it is. No, that's the riches. God said, eh, that's the wood, hay, and stubble, really. You think it's riches, but it's really wood, hay, and stubble. It's not much. 
you've gathered it, whatever. You've done these great things with it, sure. What about the guy said, man, I have so much. I got to build extra barns. You remember? What did God tell him? Thou fool, thy soul is going to be required of you this night. He was trusting in what he had gotten together and stored in many barns. He said, thou fool. Why did he call him a fool? It wasn't based on God. He had much, but it wasn't based on God. Wow. So those treasures that we think are so great, our own thought, our own understanding, that, that's a bad thing. That's not a good thing. Um, God has warned us over and over about that, you know, in different ways. And just like I said, uh, you can't serve God and mammon. They, they, they don't run on equal tracks. Either you're going to serve one or the other. Didn't what it say about mammon? It said you'll serve one and hate the other. You, you know how it says that? They, they don't run equal. Either you commit yourself to that or you're going to commit yourself to God. You're going to commit yourself to mammon or you're going to commit yourself to God. What riches do you want? See what I mean? I'd rather have those that God stores for me in heaven. That's what I want because that's what the mammon thing is all about. These riches that we want so much here, and I'm not talking about having money in a physical world. I'm talking about we, we put our desire in what we think we know. We do. We dote on it. Gary says it this way. You love it. You like it. You love it. You want more of it because it's yours. I, I put these things together. I understand these things. Yeah. Did you check it with God? That's so How can a spirit deceive you so easily if it doesn't take you close to what the word of God is? Think about Eve. God said, don't eat of it. But then she saw that it was hmm, good to the eyes. Fruit to make one wise. Wow. You know, she looked at it. And she determined within herself that it was good. God said it's death. <laughs> wow. But she thought she was doing okay until she ate of it. They had never died before. They, do they died then. <laughs> they said, I think they said Adam lived to be, what, 929, something like that. He didn't live a full day. A day to the Lord is as a thousand years. A thousand years is a day. He died that day, like he said. It's kind of an amazing thing to, um, to understand that, that sin is so deceptive, you know. But the thing that gets sin operating in your life is your lust. Isn't that how it works? It says when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. The deceitfulness of sin. It'll make you think you're doing right when you're doing wrong. Wow, what a powerful thing, huh? So deceptive, but God is more powerful. The power of God, uh, our life is hid with Christ in God, the scripture tells us. The power of salvation, the power of God. Didn't he tell them to go to Jerusalem and wait until you be endued with power from on high? The power of God, if you didn't know it, is wisdom and understanding of him. That's the power of God. And then he can fulfill that wisdom and understanding of his word and bring you the Holy Ghost. Isn't that true? 
Because now you've understood what Jesus was saying all that time as, as a disciple when you were following him. Go to Jerusalem and wait. Did they have obedience? They did what he said, huh? So obedience and submission, did they submit to the will of God? They did. They did what he said, huh? And they received the gift. This is very powerful. Very powerful. So submission, yeah. We want to submit to God. We want to sanctify the Lord. Not as Moses that struck the rock when he wasn't supposed to. You see what I mean? And take upon himself, he said, to fetch the water. He wasn't fetching anything. God provided, as he always did. But this is the key. We get besides ourselves sometimes when we think. That's what happens to us. Our thought is so precious to us, we get beside ourselves. We think that thought is it. That, oh man, I got something here now. Well, that's your treasure, not God's. That's the way that works. And your treasure, here's the thing, here's the key to everything. If yours is so good, your wisdom and your understanding, then show me the profit of it. Where's the manifestation of the fruit? That's the key right there. If I follow Jesus, I'm going to manifest fruit, and you will see the manifestation of that fruit. But those that have this self-knowledge, this self-righteousness, you know, that's what Jesus ran into with those Pharisees, didn't he? All the time. But they said they were righteous. Wait, 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 wait. No fruit, though, huh? The only fruit they brought forth was that uh, hypocrisy and all that other stuff. He said, remember he told me, he said, don't beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. <laughs> beware of that. Because all that's going to be is just hypocrisy and lying to you. That's what that's going to turn out to be. One time he said, do what they say, but don't do as they do. Isn't that powerful? You know why? Because what they said in the word of God was true. How they carried it out was wrong. Wow. If anybody should have known who Jesus was, a Pharisee should have, with all the study that they did and all the things they knew, the prophecies about the Messiah coming, all of that. And here's the other thing that's so powerful about this. So they should have known him through what they studied in the word. But what about when they actually saw him perform the miracles? And they knew they couldn't do it. And when he raised Lazarus from the dead and the fame of that all went out, they said, instead of saying, oh, we rejoice that the Messiah has cometh. No, let's plot and make sure we kill him and Lazarus too so there won't be any evidence of it anymore. Whoa. So you're not happy that a man was raised to life, but you, because it made you look bad, now you want to kill him. Isn't that how things happen? And that started the ball rolling for killing Jesus. They took thought on how they were going to kill him, how they could trap him. This is powerful, Jacob. <laughs> this is how people think. And then they said, we are righteous. Abraham is our father. Didn't they brag on that? We follow the law of Moses. Uh, Jesus told him, said, if you did all of that, you should have known me. Where Abraham is our father. Hey, he told him, said, before Abraham was, I am. Wait a minute, you're saying you're before Abraham? Yeah. You're not even yet 50 years old. Yeah, 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 you're, you're thinking like a man in the natural. What I'm telling you is I was God from the beginning. I'm God now, and I'm going to be God in the future. So yes, I was before Abraham. I created Abraham. <laughs> That's powerful. Wow. Couldn't understand it. How come you don't understand my speech, he says. How come you guys don't understand my speech? You're the religious leaders of the day. How come you don't understand my speech? 
because you're above father the devil. You're of your father the devil. That's why you don't understand me. My speech is foreign to you. So no submission to the things of God, not being obedient to it. You see how this works? Even someone as great as Moses, God had to render a judgment, right? Sanctify the Lord in your heart is what he tells us. He tells us his word is that sanctification. Isn't that what John 17, 17, I think? Could somebody get that for me? And I think it's John 17, 17. But he says, he tells him, you know, thy word is truth. And that's how you get sanctified. Sanctify him through thy truth. Thy word is truth. I think that's what it says. But that's the key. So we need truth, huh? not what our flesh brings up as a treasure, what we think we know, all our understanding, whatever. We don't want that. That's false stuff. That's counterfeit. That's the word I'm looking for. That's counterfeit. Looks like money, and in some cases spends like money. And then people find, oh, wait, that's not a good bill. You know what I mean? It's counterfeit. It looks like the real thing, feels like the real thing, but it's not the real thing. It's counterfeit. We don't want to get counterfeit stuff to Jesus. And that's what we do every time we take the thoughts of our flesh. It's counterfeit. It's not the real deal. Let's get the wisdom and understanding of God that only comes through God. It only comes through the Spirit of God. You can't serve God and mammon. That's why it says that. You can't. You can't serve the riches of your own flesh and serve God at the same time because one will always be against the other. That's just the way it works. Some of us are still struggling with things that you hear coming from heaven, these things that God has given us. And you have your own thought that you try to, you know, you're going to try and filter it through whatever. I'm going to tell you, stop that. Just receive the word of God as it is, as truth. And, and there's not going to be any conflict or turmoil or whatever. Hey, this is true. Believe God for the truth of it. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Didn't he say that? He, he meant what he said. Oh, something just kept, there's a scripture. Um, where's that at? I'm going to read this, and then I want you to think about it. We'll end with this. My phone has been acting up. My goodness. If I'm at thinking of the right spot. Yeah, this is it. Isaiah 58 and 13. Think about this. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day. Everybody remember what the Sabbath is? What is it literally? Not, not what they say in the world here. Spiritually, what is it? It's the rest of God. Okay? If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, so in Hebrews it tells us, you know, we have to cease from our own labor and allow God to perform his work through grace, right? That's what it's talking about. From doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him. Now, how are you going to honor God? This is so powerful. Not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. That covers it all, huh? I'm going to read that again. That's good. And shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, 
and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Wow. There's a reward for following him. Not, not going your way, not thinking your thoughts, not speaking your words, not taking your pleasure, but doing what the Lord says. So he did say those things would be there. He said, there's going to be your own ways. You're going to have your own pleasure and you're going to speak your own words. Those things are common to everybody, right? But he's saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Let's follow the way God says it. Let's do it as God says it. And so that's going to be a powerful thing. So I hope you got something today from that. We're still talking about diligence. Under diligence, you have to have submission and obedience for sure. And after the submission, you say, okay, I've humbled myself before God. I want to do his will. Now commit to it. Commit to doing it. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and he will establish thy thoughts. Now we're getting into the commitment phase, are we not? Commit to God. Commit to God. Don't try to serve mammon and, and God. That won't work. That's not a commitment. So let's make the commitment to God. And just serve him, period. Don't run things through your own thought. Run it through the spirit of God. <laughs> that, that's always better. That's always better. Wow. I was trying to think of that. How does that scripture go where something about what man does, but it leads to death? A man's ways are, is it, does it say righteous in his own eyes? Yeah, but the end thereof is death. Yeah, it's not, maybe in Proverbs, maybe in some other book. I just can't remember all of it right now. But we got the gist of it. A ways, man's ways will seem right unto him, you know. But the end thereof is death. It may seem right to you. That's nothing wrong with that. That's not bad. Oh, yeah, I put two and two together. Yeah, that's how, what that means in the word. Better check it with God. Hope you got something. It does? And ways of death. So a couple double witness on that, huh? And what's the death? Yeah, you separate from God, you go back into carnality. Carnal mind is death, is it not? It's enmity between you and God. You, you go back into that, and then what do you do? You just recycle in it. Ooh, over and over again, because you didn't part from it and take the wisdom and understanding of God. Wow. Seemed right unto you, huh? Let's, let's get it right unto God. 